so, so worthy. You can be seated if you can in the presence of God. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us in the presence of God. Boy, I tell you, I tell you, some people wouldn't know what to do in a church if you took away the lights and you took away the instruments and you took away all of the things that we become accustomed to. But I tell you what, if you just got the presence of God, you've got everything that you need. Amen. Everything that you need, and I'm so grateful <clears throat> that he's with us this morning. If you're a guest here this morning, my name is Josh. I get the privilege of being lead pastor here, which I always say means that I'm the lead servant of this house. If we can do anything to serve you while you're here, just let us know. We're so blessed that you're here with us today. You can be anywhere, but you're here today. And I know that if you're a guest here, sometimes coming into a church for the first time can be a little apprehensive and a little uneasy because you're checking things out and you're trying to figure out if we're a bunch of weirdos. Because, um, I mean, let's be honest, man. Church people can be weird, right? And, and I'll be the first to confess I'm a, little, I'm a little bit weird and crazy, but I think everybody's got a little bit of crazy in them. I don't trust people that don't have a little bit of crazy in them. You know what I mean? It's, it's not normal but we're glad that you're here be at ease we're praying that you've experienced the presence of god and the word of god is speaking to you today i always say don't just come once come twice three times thirty thousand times and get a full appreciation of what god is doing here and uh, we hope you make us your home and if we can do anything again to serve you while you're here let us know big welcome to everyone joining us online we're so glad that you're tuned in and watching us today, if you would, take a second and hit that like button and that share button. Not just those watching online, but those in-house. Help us share that live stream and reach people for the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, there's so much exciting stuff going on in our church. We are in the glide pattern to Fall Fest. I'm so excited about that. Over 3,000 people from our community are going to be joining us on campus next Tuesday. Next Tuesday? So not this coming Tuesday, but the Tuesday after. You've got to clarify. People will freak out. This Tuesday and next Tuesday gets confusing. So the 31st uh, will be a great, great, uh, great outreach to the community. Um, we have a volunteer and an interest meeting after service today. So if you haven't signed up to help with Fall Fest and maybe you just want a little bit more information or you want to sign up to, to serve and help with that. There's a meeting in here right after service today to give you some quick information and get you on track with that. We always try to do things quick here to respect people's times. Uh, so we'll give you the info you need and then get you out for the rest of the day. Uh, my goodness gracious, y'all ready to get into the Word this morning? We're going to continue this series that we're in on spiritual warfare called Battle Ready. Because listen, whether you're ready or not, the battle is coming. You know, and I don't know if you've turned the news on lately. Our world is in a little bit of trouble. But when does that ever change, you know? And um, our thoughts, more than our thoughts, our prayers are with the nation of Israel as they are handling their business today. Um, prophetically, we know Israel is a central point of all that's going to happen in end times prophecy. And uh, I tell you, we're, we're in the glide pattern to a lot of that stuff happening for sure. And if you're not up to speed on end times events, I'd encourage you to start studying that a little bit. Now, every YouTube prophet on the planet is jumping on their platform right now. And they're saying, this is it, this is it. And all the people that sell the bunkers and sell the food and the supplies are like, buy it up now. The world's going to end tomorrow, you know. And I think, I think if you have a proper scriptural perspective, there's no reason to be an alarmist at all. I think you should operate with a level of wisdom and be prepared. Yes. And not just when things happen like are happening now in our world. And, and that's a tricky situation. I mean, uh, you could blink the wrong way and we could be quickly in the glide pattern to a World War III scenario. Um, but here's what I know. Jesus was Lord yesterday. Yes. He's Lord today. Yes. He'll be Lord tomorrow. Yes. None of this stuff caught him by surprise. Our job is to reach as many people as we can with the gospel of Jesus while we have breath in our lungs. And so the church needs to be about the business of doing that. I'll say it again. The church needs to be about the business of doing that, whether Israel's at war or not, whether the sabers are rattling or not. We have a great commission to uphold, and that's our first priority, I think. Um, all this other stuff will happen as God wants it to. 
I think you should pay attention to it. I think you should be up to speed on current events and how it pertains to end time events. Maybe we'll get into that later on. We're not going to do that today. But, but I tell you what, you can major in the minors really quickly. That's not the main thing. The main thing is making sure, one, we're ready for Jesus to return, and two, that we reach as many people as we possibly can before he returns, whether it's in our lifetime or not. And if we do that, the rest will take care of itself. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that's not what I'm preaching on today. I just wanted to share that because there's a lot going on in our world for sure. Cause for concern, yeah. Concern and worry are two different things. Be at peace. God is in control. Now, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd be freaking the heck out right now because you don't have the safety net of eternity set like a follower of Christ does. Um, today I want to get into probably what is one of the most overlooked aspects of spiritual warfare. And I told you this series was going to be very practical when you start talking about spiritual warfare again. Churchy people have a way of grabbing this stuff and getting so mystic and, and just over hyper-spiritual with these things that there's no practical plan or operation with any of this stuff. And the Bible is very practical. And I want to give you one of probably the most practical tools that you have in your arsenal in spiritual warfare. This will either set you up for victory or for defeat. Okay, it is one of the most important assets and weapons that you have. It's the power of the spoken word. The power of the spoken word. Not juju bees or holy water or praying and fasting for 45 days. And praying and fasting is important, but I will tell you, praying and fasting does you no good at all if you can't control this thing right here. Amen. I don't care how much you shout and give God praise in church like this. If you walk out and let this thing dominate you, you will undercut everything that the Spirit of God has tried to accomplish in your life today. This is the make it or break it thing. Yes. And, and guys and girls are real different when it comes to what we say. Uh, women, they say, will on average speak uh, 20 to 25,000 words a day. You know, it just, it just flows, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's how you're wired. Men, on average, about seven to 8,000 words a day. <clears throat> Big difference. Big difference. If you're married, you know that. There's a big difference. Most men are like, I have enough information. Let's shut the fountain off. We're good. And most women are like, why can't you give me the details that I need? What is wrong with you? You understand? And, and I get that. Um, somebody gave the illustration one time and said, if, if it were an electrical situation, it was wiring in a house, like a man would be one single wire that goes to one switch. On and off, easy operation. Women would be like a huge ball of wire, all mixed up and wound up together, and they would all be connected to everything in the house. Everything would flow off of everything. Just, and that's the way God created us. That's the way God designed us. There's a big difference in the two. That doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong. It just is how we are literally wired. And, uh, and I can appreciate the difference there. I really, I really can. Uh, I was... I went fishing with a buddy of mine one time, and uh, he had gone through a divorce, I don't know, about six or eight months earlier. It was the first time me and him got to hang out. So I was going fishing with him for the day, going out on his boat, and we were just going to have fun. If you're a man, you understand you can save a whole lot of money on therapy if you can just go fishing. You know what I mean? Or just get out in the woods. You know, you can sit in a deer stand all day, not see a deer, walk out a new creature. You really can. And... <laughs> Man, I'm so glad hunting season is upon us. And, oh, my goodness gracious. This been fun. So hunting's not your thing. I understand. I'll get enough for both of us. It'll be fine. But, so, so I was out fishing with my buddy. I come back, and my wife, Kelly, which if you've not met Pastor Kelly, you need to meet her. She is absolutely amazing. But women and men approach things differently. So I'll walk in, and the first thing she asks is, how is he? He's good. How's he doing with the divorce? Is he, is he settled? It, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> How do you not know? That's your friend? Yeah, that's my friend. You, how do you not know if he's doing good with the divorce? It never came up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he did not bring up the divorce. 
He did not talk about where he was. Therefore, if he did not bring it up, it was not my place to try to bring it up on his behalf. There's just an understanding there, you know. He didn't want to talk about it. If he didn't want to talk about it, I'm not going to talk about it. We're fishing. We're having fun. Who wants to make it awkward, you know? Guy stuff. One line into one switch, on and off. We're there. We're having fun. I don't need all the details, you know. So Kelly asked me, well, is he dating now? Again, I don't know. What do you know about him? I know he got a new fishing rod. I know that. And it was a nice one. Shimano reel and all that, man. Nice setup. I'll tell you, you know he's got that, but you don't. I, it, it didn't come up. How long were y'all in the boat together? About six hours. You were in a boat with your buddy for six hours, and you don't know how he is. You don't know how he's handling things, and you don't know if he's dating. No. And I was good with that, to be honest with you. It was good. It just melts the mind. It's like, really? How, how did you not? And I'm like, how's that going to come up with two guys in a boat fishing, like logistically anyway? So we're out there fishing. And I'm like, hey, man, you doing good? Yeah, man, I'm ready to slay these fish today. How about you? Oh, yeah, man. We're going we're gonna to drain this lake of fish. It's going to be awesome. Are you going to fish top, or are you going to use some worms and fish on the bottom? I don't know, man. I'm thinking about dragging the bottom. Yeah, I think I might, I might try a little top water while it's early and then switch over. You know, it just, it, it, and by the way, are you dating anybody? <laughs> you know what I mean? If it just doesn't fit, you know, and the women are like, are you kidding me? If I was out with my bestie? I would know everything that's going on about everything, and they would know everything that's going on about everything with me. It's just, it's just, it's just the difference, and I get it. There's the difference between the two, but here's what I know. Whether you're male or female, no matter how many words you say or how you gather information, this is what I know. What we say is very important, and how we say it is very important. So I want to set this up and just show you a little bit from Scripture um, why what we say is important. So I think a lot of people don't appreciate the power of our words and how it shapes the realities of our life. Now, I'm not talking about naming and claiming it, and I'm not talking about the if you can see it, you can achieve it kind of malarkey, but there is, there is, uh, with respect to Scripture, a huge connection between what we say and what takes place in our lives and what permission, and this is where we're going today, what permissions we give to the enemy to set up shop in our lives and have access to our lives. So Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 1, we're going to go through some of this quickly. Again, I'm not giving you a thesis on the power of the spoken word. Get with me later. We can drink some coffee and we can go into a lot of depth with this. But I do want to lay a foundation and give you some understanding because you can get weird with this. You can get really weird with this. But if you stay close to Scripture, you see the relevance and the practicality of it. And that, I think that's a safe place to stay, uh, where it's relevant and where it's practical in the life of the believer. Looking at our, our God when he's creating the world. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said. Everybody say, God said. So God said, let there be light, and there was light. When God began to create the universe that we are in right now, he spoke the universe into existence. He spoke things into creation. Skipping down to verse 4, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. In verse 5, God called the light day. Everyone say, God called. So God said and God called. So he's speaking and he's calling things that are not as though they were and identifying them and giving them purpose. So he called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and there was morning and that was the first day. So when God went to create, God spoke. Now, who did God create in his image and in his likeness? Mankind, us. Men and women, yeah, in his image and in his likeness. He created us. He created Adam. He put Adam in the Garden of Eden and gave Adam dominion over the earth 
and authority in the garden. He authorized him to name and identify all creation on the earth. The birds, the animals, fish, all that. Adam. Adam got to name all of that stuff. Okay? With the spoken word. With the spoken word. God said, I will rule from heaven. You will, under my authority, have dominion over the earth. And here comes Satan. And through sly deception, Satan gets Adam to do something that would happen no other way. Adam chooses, chooses to give in to temptation, to sin, and therefore disqualify himself from authority in the earth because he was now fallen into sin. The authority was Adam's, okay? Not Satan's. Satan deceived Adam. Satan could not have made Adam give up the authority. He had no position or place or power to snatch it from him. He had to deceive it from him. But when the deception took place, Adam and Eve ate the fruit. There was a power vacuum there because he became disqualified to be in dominion because of his sin. Satan came in, and now mankind is under the bondage of sin, a puppet to be controlled by Satan. Power grab took place. A power grab took place. So when Jesus came to the earth, so many thousands of years later, When he went to the cross, he did not just go to the cross for the payment of our sin. Okay? A lot of people focus on Jesus gave it all, and he did give it all on the cross. And I'm so grateful that he paid the price for my sin. But that's not all that he did. So he paid the price for our sin. He made the payment so that legally it could be satisfied and we could be free from the slavery to sin and be new creations, children of God, in relationship with him, just like Adam was in the beginning. Jesus restored the relationship. Not only did he restore the relationship, Jesus restored the authority and the power of the child of God through what he did on the cross. When he rose from the dead, he came back with the keys of what? Death, hell, and the grave. Sin was done. The grave was defeated. He snatched back all the authority that Adam had lost with legal right and power and said, now all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now I send you out Is this amazing? I'm sending you out now to the world to preach the good news under my authority and power with authority and power. See, as a child of God, listen, get this in your spirit. As a child of God, when you speak now in Christ, the words that you speak have power. They're not just words that fly out of your mouth and have no repercussion or no effect. Because you are under power, operating with power, you now, oh my goodness gracious, yeah, somebody's going to get set free today once this clicks in your, your whole life is about to change in this moment because you're going to change how you see yourself as a child of God. In, In Matthew chapter 18, Uh, a little before Jesus sends the disciples out with a great commission, he drops a a revelation bomb on the disciples. He says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We have authority when we speak to bind and to loose 
to, to sow into the future and have a harvest waiting on us one way or the other. To, 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 to bind or to loose. To prevent or to unlock. Okay? To cap or to allow overflow. By what you say. Do you like what's happening in your life right now? Well, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you speaking? Because what you speak, and this is where I'll draw a line of, of, of practicality, okay, in Scripture, because people go way out into left field with this stuff. Okay, but there is a strong connection with what you say as a believer, and what happens in your life. What are you saying, Pastor Josh? What I'm saying is this. Your words will determine your direction. Amen. Your words will determine your direction. The same creative power that God used to speak the universe into creation, the same creative power that Jesus used when he was in the boat and spoke to the storm, he didn't stop the storm, he created peace in the moment. The big difference, you, through Christ, under his authority, operate with the same authority and the ability to an extent to be able to speak and create one path or another in your life by the seeds that you sow from the words that you speak. like if your whole walk and relationship with God was a car. Pick your favorite car. Doesn't matter what it is. A Maserati. That would be a fun one. That would be, I mean, if you're going to dream, dream big, right? So Maserati or some Ferraris. A Lambo would be nice, too. Um, Bentleys, I just, I don't know how practical, but then how practical is a Maserati or a Ferrari? I don't know. I just, big ticket items. So you've got the whole car right there ready to roll. It won't go anywhere without a key. It won't go anywhere without a key. Whether you got one of those fancy little don't, don't need a key key where you push the button and the car starts up or whether it's old school, you put it in the ignition and, and turn it. You know, the car or the truck, the vehicle's not going anywhere without a key. Now, I don't need to understand how my car operates. I don't have to understand all the internal combustion stuff or if you're driving an EV, how all that stuff works. I just, I don't have to understand all of that. All I need to know is if I want this thing to work, I need this key to make it happen. Okay, doesn't matter how much gas is in the tank if you don't have a key. Doesn't matter what the oil level is if you don't have the key. It's not going anywhere, brand new tires or not. If you don't have the key, you've got to have the key. Listen to me. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible you know. It doesn't matter how involved in church you are. It doesn't matter. It just does not matter if you do not know how to use the key to set all of it off and into motion. Okay? The key that unlocks most of this is the power of the words that come out of your mouth. We'll dig a little bit deeper into this. So, so forget that you have a car. Let's just say we're in a room full of doors. So you're in a room full of doors, and there's doors of blessing, and there's doors of curse. There's doors of frustration, and there's doors of peace. There's doors of anointing and power. And then there's doors of identity issues. There, there's doors of, of negativity. And there's doors of faith and a positive trust in God. All of those doors are open and activated by the words that come out of your mouth. Am I talking to you today? The words that come out of your mouth. If you speak negativity, you're going to open that door. And here you go with negativity. Now, the doors work both ways. Not only do you start down that path, but in opening the door, you allow access of that stuff into your spirit and into your mind. Big 
Big, 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 big. Big. So we choose. We choose. You speak negativity long enough, guess what's going to happen in your life? You, you operate from a poverty mindset long enough and speak that over your life, what's the reality going to be in your life? The power of the spoken word. Well, I know some of you might be radars up. I'm not just sold on this just yet. Well, let's look at Proverbs chapter 18. We're still laying this foundation, and then we're going to get practical and figure out how we can put this stuff to work immediately in our lives. Proverbs 18 from the Amplified Version of the Bible in verse 20. Look at how this is worded. A man's stomach will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. He will be satisfied with the consequence of his words. Everybody say consequence. Now that can be good or that could be bad. But the words shape the reality. Why? Because the words shape the mindset. The words affect the heart. And it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. Not just the hard work, not just the sweat of their brow, not just the network that they have, but the words that are spoken. The words that are spoken. The words we speak are powerful. They are connected unavoidably to what is going on in our heart. The Bible says that out of the abundance or the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The words you say reveals the conditions of your heart. The words you say also fuel the condition of your heart. It's a two-way street. If you want to change the reality of your life, if you want to change the dynamic of spiritual power that you operate in, if you want to move out of a life where you're trying to do it on your own versus a life covered by the blessing of God and the will of God, change the heart and change the words. Change the words and change the heart. Why is this so important? Because Here's why it's... So important because the enemy can't defeat us. So he gets us to defeat ourselves by what we speak. The same way he could not take the authority from Adam, he cannot, as a child of God, he cannot take the authority and power that you have away from you. All he can do is use the same tactic of deceit and manipulation of circumstances to get you to defeat yourself by what you say. Because as soon as you speak it, the key unlocks the door and gives access for him to now come in and set up strongholds in your life. And little by little, word by word, season by season, he can literally shape how you think. He can literally shape the condition of your heart. He can get, it's not taking a bite of the fruit and happening just like that, but he can make you die the death of a thousand cuts. And over time, you will surrender access to him that he does not have a right to have in your life. But if you give permission, then you've given permission. If you open the door, you've opened the door. See, a lot of us are going through life right now with squatters and trespassers in our homes and in our hearts, and we need to serve some eviction notices on these jokers and get them out and close the door and lock it up so that it is not influencing us in our lives. It's more than just us. It's our family. You know, it, it, it's our family. It, and if he can't defeat us, then he'll get us to defeat ourselves by what we speak. So how does this work? Well, what does the Bible say about um, sin and how it takes place? Well, we sin when we are tempted based on the desires of what? Our heart. So the desire is in our heart. The enemy comes with the temptation 
to get us to do what is already there in our heart, and we have a moment of choice. We can choose to say no to the temptation, which the Bible, by the way, says we have the ability to do. No temptation has, has hit you that, you that you do not have the ability to walk away from and God give you the escape route out of. We can choose to do that. You don't have to give in to temptation. So the temptation is there. We make the choice. Temptation then, when we choose to follow that route, will lead to the action of sin. Once we've sinned, now we have chosen to... It, it sounds rough, but you, literally you've chosen to hurt the heart of God when you choose to do it. You don't have to do it. You're free from it. You chose to do it. And we know we can come back and repent and get our hearts right and continue with our relationship with God. What the enemy wants to happen is to keep that from happening, to, to bury you with guilt and with shame and to slowly carve you out like he did with Adam. It's the same game. It's just a different year. Same game, just a different year. So, if out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, I always wondered, how does, how does the devil know our desires? You know what I mean? Like, he can't read the mind. He, he's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. He doesn't know all of this stuff. God is, but he is not. See, we literally, out of this thing right here, reveal what's going on here and feed him with the strategy that he needs to get access to our lives by what we speak. That's why if you operate and you've got hurt and offense in your heart and you speak hurt and offense out of your mouth, then he knows there's hurt and offense there. That's the strategy I'm going to take. They're talking about it, so it's got to be on the inside. So he's going to set the beautiful trap of offense and hurt to get you to go further into that until it's a stronghold that's controlling you so you become ineffective and unproductive in the kingdom of God. That's the first step. The second step is to destroy your relationship with Jesus altogether. If he hears you speak fear out of your mouth, it comes out of your mouth because it's in your heart. And he knows, oh, they're scared. All right, I'm going to start sending jokers their way that I can control to plant more fear, to plant more chaos. You see how this works? So, so what we say is incredibly important, not just in the level of victory we operate in, but in what we are feeding the enemy that's trying to destroy us. Some of us, our lives would be so much better if we could just shut up. Amen. Just shut up. Shut up. Hey, me too. Uh, me too. Pastor Josh, you need to shut up. Yeah, I do sometimes. I just, it, it's just funny. You know, James says if anyone could keep control of his tongue, then his religion is perfect. Like, he's flawless. You know, I just never met anybody like that. You know, it's like the old joke where the guy said when the cops read him his rights, he, they said that he had the right to remain silent, but he didn't have the ability to do it. And, and sometimes you feel like that in life, but the enemy tries to work that stuff against us because he sees the heart and tempts based on the heart and what we speak then either reinforces something negative that's why the Bible says to take captive every thought and submit it to Christ and the word of God and sometimes those things that, that knee jerk reaction that initial reaction has to be stopped and taken under arrest, and a decision has to be made to correctly operate in the Word of God. No, I'm not going to be afraid of that. I'm going to choose to trust God. Even if I don't understand what's happening to me right now, and I don't know how this is going to work out, it doesn't look good, and the facts say this, but I'm going to choose to trust God over the facts even if they don't make sense. So you've just taken everything away from the enemy. And by speaking faith now, you have not only sown seeds of faith into the life, but you have spoken over yourself. What does the Bible say about speaking over yourself? Oh my! See, all of this stuff plays together. It plays together. And so 
speaking, speaking, speaking of speaking over ourselves, let me ask you a question. Um, what, what do you speak over yourself? Like words go in different directions. So let's talk about words spoken over ourselves. Words spoken over ourselves. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir in Christ Jesus. This world is a temporary experience. I am an eternal being. I am gifted and called and equipped by God. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's my way maker. If I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will add to me all the things that I need in life. I put my trust in him because he's faithful and he's trustworthy. And when I leave this world, I will rule and reign with Christ forever. Amen. Or, I'm so stupid. I just can't catch a break. I'm a flipping failure. Doesn't matter what I do. Eventually, the rug's going to get pulled out from underneath me, and it's going to mess up. I can't get a break. I can't get ahead. I can't get a job making more money. Nobody likes me. I can't get any friends. I feel alone all the time. See what I'm saying? Yeah. What do you speak over yourself? Now, you can't control what other people say about you, but you can control what goes on up here what goes on in here, and what comes out of this right here. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Speak life over yourself. Speak life over yourself. And the Bible says that we hide God's word in our heart so that we don't sin against him. What happens when we let counterfeit realities take place in our heart and come out of our mouth? not the will of God. How about words spoken over others? Words spoken over others. Are you known as a person that encourages and speaks life over people, or are you known as a negative, condescending person that just hurls insults? How are you known? Not, not like how you think you come across, but how do people really, you know what I mean? Like, the words you speak, death and life. The words you speak sow seeds. Parents, what words do you speak over your children? Listen, I don't care how frustrating they are. I don't care how unwise they are being at the moment. Okay? Their brains haven't developed yet. You are literally dealing with a person that has a mental disability. Uh, and I don't mean that mean. That's just a medical fact. Maybe that'll help some of you. When they don't clean their room, oh, yeah, they're, they're, they've got a mental disability right now um, until that brain fully develops. It's just, it's just emotional development, mental development, all of that stuff. They can look like an adult at 16 but what am I saying? Most 40-year-olds look like an adult, and they're not mature or fully developed. I'm just saying. I just, boy, there's so much freedom in saying that. Oh, man, there's so much freedom in saying that. You know who you are, and we love you anyway. Uh, <laughs> so what do you speak over the kids? Why? Because they're seeds that are sown into their hearts. What do you say to your spouse? You see... You could be a tool of the enemy in a moment of frustration and out of emotion you step out of the spirit and speak something over them that will cause a wound that the enemy can now use as an inroad into their life and as a wedge in the marriage. What we say has power. It has power. What we speak or is, by the way, if someone speaks something negative over you, you do, you do get to choose whether or not you receive that, by the way. You, you do get to choose. You don't always have to be the victim of words. Now, I know it can hurt and it can cause a wound, but you can heal and you can recover and you can keep on moving and being the child of God that you were created to be, all right? Listen, words are going to hurt. 
Negative stuff's going to be said. I know the truth about me. You can tell all the lies that you want to. I know who I am as a child of God. And he's the one that I'm going to answer to. He's the one that you answer to. He's the one that created you and called you. He gets to label you, not anybody else. Not anybody else. So the words we speak over others, it, it matters. Which, by the way, just a little bit of warning. If you speak ill of a legitimate child of God who's in the will of God, under the covering of God, you know what the Bible says about that curse that you try to put on them? It comes back to you. And you know what it says? If you're a child of God and people curse you, especially for the Lord's sake, you get a little blessing. That's what the Bible says. Man, you can get all red-faced and spit all the fire you want to at me. It's coming back to you, and you're making me more blessed. Amen. Crazy how that works. But we've got to keep that in perspective. And I think this last one, I think, is, is maybe, not that any of these are less important, but this one's very important. Words spoken after we pray. Words spoken after we pray. If I build a fire to stay warm, and once it gets good and hot and the coal bed is like it should be, you know, man, it's just something magical about a good coal bed on a fire. If I take 20 gallons of water and pour it on that fire every time I get it good and going, fire is no good. Okay? It does no good to speak the word and pray if after prayer you're going to speak the opposite of what you just asked for. You understand? So we come up here, God, I need you to move in my finances, Lord. I, I, I just, I, I, you know what? I haven't been given, but I'm going to start giving and trusting you and putting you first. So today I decide you're first. I'm your servant. What I have is not mine, it's yours. God, I repent. I give it to you. Lord, I put this in your hands. I'm trusting you to move mightily on my behalf, which, by the way, all of that's legitimate to pray. God said you can put him to the test, especially when it comes to money. Uh, put him to the test. God, I'm, I'm doing this. I want to set a track record. Lord, I'm putting you to the test. Keep your word. And then you walk out the doors, and the car you see is almost out of gas, and you don't have the money to put into it. Ah, this is never going to change. Who, well, you just, you just spoke away everything you just prayed. You understand? To intercede for your child who's going through a rough season. God, just work on their heart. Lord, let them see the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, give them wisdom and the decisions that they're making. Then you get in the car and you go home. Why can't you just listen to me? What is wrong with you? Are you stupid or something? You just opened the door to something illegitimate. And I'm not standing up here saying, I've got this down pat. I will say this, I'm a lot better at this than I used to be. And I will say this, I have seen a radical difference in my life because of it. Huge difference. And I'm hoping that'll be the case for all of us here today. We've got to get to the place where this is happening. We must allow the Holy Spirit to govern our hearts so that there will be life and power in our words. I'm going to say it again. We must allow the Holy Spirit to govern our hearts so that there will be life and power in our words. I want life and power in my words. I don't want death. I want to speak legitimate things. I want the blessings of God. I want the promises of God. I want the strength of God. I want the power of God. I want that to come out of my mouth. I want that to be the seed that I sow. I want that to be within the realm of authority that I'm entrusted with as a child of God. I want that to be the reality that I speak into existence, not the opposite. In order for that to happen, though, I have to make sure that the words are coming from fertile ground. So the words cover the heart, the words influence the heart, but the heart 
the Bible says is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart, the Bible says, for it's the wellspring of life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We're tempted to sin when we're tempted from the desires in our heart. It's all a battle of this thing right here. This thing right here. And what the enemy wants is to gain access through words, to get permission through words, to set up shop here. Boy, how many times have you been hurt by somebody and tried to forgive them, but spoke the offense to a close friend, and all you could think about for the next several days or maybe even weeks was that issue or that offense because you spoke the door open and now the enemy's running everything on replay. Why? To get this thing right here. Take the thoughts captive. See how it all works together? It, when it, if you want to set yourself up to avoid, pro, I would say 80 to 85% of what the enemy wants to do in your life. Because I think there's a percentage of stuff you can't control because life is just life. Jesus said in this world we're going to have trouble. Uh, there are seasons of testing and tribulation that you have to go through. And I don't think any amount of prayer really can uh, like exempt you from walking through what Scripture says we will all walk through. So that's part of it. But I think life has got its own troubles and enough trouble, and I don't need to help any of that stuff out by making it worse by what I say. Now, the children of Israel should have taken a really quick walk from Egypt to the Promised Land. And for 40 years, that entire generation died out. They didn't make it to the Promised Land. And you want to know why? This thing right here. They murmured and complained the whole way. And it cost them. What am I saying? Your words can cost you. Or your words can set you up for spiritual success. A lot of people don't realize this, and this is just how important what we say is. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is speaking to a group of people with some Pharisees in there, and he's kind of letting the Pharisees have it like he does. <laughs> and I love that about him, man. Jesus was not a doormat, and you don't have to be either. So the tree is identified by its fruit, and if a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. He's saying what's on the inside affects what happens on the outside. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? Now look at this. Whatever for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things. Listen to what Jesus is saying here. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Then he ties the two together, the heart and the speaking. Then he says, I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. The words in your heart, they shape not just the reality of life, they don't just control the access the enemy has and the permission you give him. They actually come into play on the day of judgment. Why? Because the words you speak reveal the condition of your heart. And that's all that Jesus is concerned about. If you get the heart right, Everything else follows suit. How's your heart this morning? Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I thank you so much for speaking to us today and for equipping us with your word, for showing us, Lord, how we can take control again of these things happening in our lives. We don't have to be victims. We don't have to give the enemy access. And I think... I don't know if it's out of foolishness or naivety. Sometimes it's just happenstance. 
unwillingly sometimes we open our mouths and give access to things and we entertain things too long and they become issues of the heart we speak fear out of fear and spear spoken creates fear and it feeds itself Lord we want to make sure that our hearts are pure and right before you So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to take stock. Just take inventory of yourself. What words do you speak over yourself? What are the first things to come out of your mouth? What, what words do you speak over others? What words do you speak after prayer? Because not only do they reveal the heart, but they feed the heart. Change the heart, change your words. Change your words, change your heart. And the Holy Spirit is the only one that can change the heart. We speak hurt out of hurt. Many times we speak fear out of moments of hurt and broken trust. And everyone falls under the same category as the person that let us down. And as long as that is still there, the enemy is going to have access. We need to close the door on that and allow God to have complete access to our hearts so that we can operate in the legitimate power and authority that we have. So many of us are living at a level two when God's called us to live past 11. So Father, collectively, Lord, all of us, if we need to repent, Father, we repent. Lord, for the words that we've spoken carelessly. Father, we can't change the past so, Lord, we just ask, Father, that you forgive. We repent. That means we're choosing to walk away from that mindset and that practice. It means we're choosing to apply your word to our lives. Father, there's so many people in here this morning that need healing. Father, there's so many people in here that are watching online that need that part of their heart restored that they've given to the enemy. There's so many strongholds that need to come down. Lord, I pray that everyone watching, everyone here, and everyone that will listen to this later, maybe you're listening to this right now on the radio, pull over, park your car, and let the Lord do something in your heart right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I just want to ask you a question, man. It... Have you had an issue with the words spoken either over yourself, over others, or after you pray? If you look at the inventory of your heart, can you see some things there that are not legitimate? Have you given the enemy a place that you need to take back? And the good news is today we can do that. If you're here and you know that that's you, that's you, and you need to make some changes today. When I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up. I want you to look at me, and I'm going to pray over us all as we close out service in just a little bit. But if that's you, you know, Pastor Josh, God has put his finger on something with me today, and, and I need to adjust it, and I need to change it. On the count of three, if that's you, lift your eyes and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three three lift them up and the eyes are going up all in this place right now let's all stand this morning and as the band is playing the, 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 the beautiful part of your walk with God is it's your walk with God and he can speak to you and show you stuff and you can resolve things between you and him right now and I know for some of us, what we're about to start today is probably going to be a process. All right, this is what I know. Before we even pray, let me tell you what's going to happen. You already know. We're going to pray. All right, we're going to deny access to the enemy. We're going to kick him out. All right, we're going to, we're going to take thoughts captive. And we're going to commit 
to guarding our words and guarding our hearts so that we can be more victorious in this life and not be a victim in this area of spiritual warfare. And what the enemy is going to do is what the enemy is going to do. All right, here comes hurt. Here comes disappointment. Here comes offense. Here comes the, the things that he knew he had access to. He's going to check those doors again to make sure they're not just closed, but that they're locked. It's a big difference between closing a door and locking a door. We want to lock them. In fact, we don't want to. We want to lock it. We want to cover it with brick. We want to add a new wall. We want to shut that thing down. No more access. No more access. Change happens two ways. It happens instantaneously, and it happens through repetition. So some of us here today, man, we're going to have instantaneous breakthrough and a change in mindset. For some of us, we're going to have to walk out of here, and it's going to be through repetition as we apply the Word of God daily. Okay? Let me encourage you. All right, you already know what's happening. The Bible says that we are not unaware of the schemes of the enemy. You know what's coming. So recognize it when it happens. All right? Please listen to what I'm saying. You don't want to pray it and then walk out and speak something else. Otherwise, this moment is lost. We don't want this moment to be lost. Ten billion years from now, I want us to be in the presence of God and look back on this day for you and say this was the day that it changed. This was the day you took control of what you said. And this is the day you went to a new level in your walk with God. You went to a new level in what you gave the enemy access. You shut the door. I want this to be the day. Why not? It's got to be someday. Why not today? Let's lift up our hands. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for every person that responded. Lord, I thank you for every heart that is open to your spirit and your presence here today. Father, since we've repented, Father, since we have dealt with that part of ourselves, God, we remind ourselves of who we are this morning. That we are above only and not beneath. That we are the head and not the tail. That we are more than conquerors in Christ. That we are heirs and joint heirs through Christ Jesus. Father, that we operate with the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. And our words have power. Our words have authority to bind and to loose. To speak life and to speak death. To speak faith or to speak fear. To speak victory or defeat. Father, we choose to align our hearts, our minds, and our mouths with the truth of your word. Lord, we refuse to accept counterfeit realities in our lives. The enemy operates in deception. So, Father, we ask that you expose his deceptions in our lives. Expose his schemes. Let us see it clearly. Lord, we choose to close the door to deny access to this stuff. Lord, I don't care if the strongholds have been there for 20 plus years. Tear them down in our hearts in the name of Jesus, Father, and bring in healing and restoration. Let this be a moment of change, a reality check. Lord, there's so much you've called us to do. The enemy is so scared of who we can become. Lord, if there's fear in this room, let it be the fear that... <laughs> that echoes from his heart because of the change that's taking place and not the hearts of the people that are here. Lord, we choose to apply the truth of your word. Lord, we choose to put into action this simple reality. There are power in our words. We choose to use those words in a responsible way to advance your kingdom, to protect those we love to protect us to deny the enemy access and to speak your kingdom into existence 
Father, we give you glory and we give you praise for victory in this house. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, that you would bring back to our remembrance what you've spoken today on Wednesday. When the enemy... Hit, I, I don't want to give him credit on anything, Father. He's the defeated enemy, but he is so good at deceiving. Holy Spirit, remind us of the word. Let this word today be a seed planted in our hearts that's going to bear fruit the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the month, the year, the rest of our lives, Father. Let us recognize his voice and shut it off when he begins to speak his lies. Let us recognize the situations and circumstances that he creates to push those trigger buttons to get us to retreat. Lord, let us recognize it. Let us move forward, advancing your kingdom and your calling on our lives, Father. Victorious like the children of God that we are. We give you praise for life change today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Let's give God praise in the house this morning.